0: counseling people affected by disability on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. And this week once again I am delighted to have with us Paul Touches who is the senior pastor at Cornerstone Community in Mayfield Heights, Ohio. And Paul has been around ACBC for quite some time. He's a member, certified member, and a fellow of ours as well. So Paul gets to do quite a bit of supervision for our our members seeking certification. And I'm so grateful for his ministries. He's been faithful to pastor, and I love the way he always describes his role as as a minister of the Word is pastoral first and then counseling flows out of that ministry. And for those of you who are pastors, I encourage you to to think through that mentality. That's a very biblical perspective of shepherding. And Paul has several books that he's written on those topics. I'll include some of those in the show notes. But today I want to talk a little bit more specifically about a book that he's written recently. We actually talked about it last week, When Disability Hits Home. It's a book Produced by Shepherd Press, and I'm, I'm delighted that, that Paul has written this with several contributions from, from Johnny Erickson Tata. And uh, last week, we talked specifically about the theology behind the book, the purpose, who, we, who Paul is targeting as an audience here. But, but I want to bring this into, into practicality, because you know it, it's, it's one thing to, to have an idea of what I think to be true theoretically about theology and about an understanding of suffering and, and having a view of the image of God in man and the value of a person. It, it's one thing to, to have those ideas in your mind. It's another thing, Paul, altogether, when someone who is ridden with some sort of disability who's sitting in front of you. And, and how do we how do we address this? Or a family is sitting in front of you who who's wrestling with some of the the turmoil and difficulty of the suffering of the one who's disabled. And, and that's another thing altogether. So I want us to talk very practically today about how to counsel those who are affected in this way. So in your book you talk about several things, but two common temptations that we typically face when when disability enters a person's life. And so what I want you to do is to to help express some of those. The first temptation uh, is to blame someone else. Like, why is this happening? And, and we're looking for answers to try and settle our hearts. But can you explain some of the basic ways that that you would counsel parents? For example, maybe if they're blaming themselves or blaming something else around them, because that's their natural tendency, how would you start helping them?
1: Sure. First, I think, you know, it's good for us to just acknowledge that this response is A typical human response, we find it in scripture, we find it, you know, in in everyday life. We want to automatically connect personal suffering to personal sin. You know, we reason that, well, God is good and therefore he cannot be behind this accident or this tragedy or this evil. Therefore, it has to be the fault of someone. It has to be the fault of somebody involved in this, the person who is suffering or someone who's connected to the person who's suffering. I'm just so thankful for the honesty of the scriptures. We have examples in in the Old Testament and the New that that really help us in this regard. You know, the classic example in the Old Testament is the book of Job. You know, we don't want to be like Job's three friends who were miserable counselors mm-hmm. and who were blaming Job for the physical affliction and all the loss in his life. That that there had to be something that he was to blame for. And so thankful, you know, for the book of Job being part of the scriptures because God has pretty much destroyed that notion. (laughs) He destroys the credibility of the notion that all suffering is a result of the sin of the sufferer. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you know, when we think of the whole big picture, there was no suffering prior to the fall Mm -hmm. in Genesis 3. So there's a sense in which we say, that all suffering comes from sin in a generic kind of way. But that's a very different than saying, okay, this person is suffering in this way, and therefore there must be some sin cause. So the life of Job is a place that I go to, Mm -hmm. to counsel. But also John 9 is Mm -hmm. is a great example. The disciples had the same problem as the counselors of Job. (laughs) They had an incomplete theology. Which resulted in men asking the wrong question. Mm -hmm. They they were wrestling with the problem of this man born blind. And so they were trying to figure out, okay, who should be held responsible for this man's disability? Mm -hmm. And so they asked Jesus, who sinned? Was it this man or was was it his parents? And Jesus says, basically, you're, you're really wrong, disciples. You are wrong. It wasn't this man or his parents, but that God would be glorified, Mm -hmm. that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so there's a clear example that the governing force behind that man's disability was not any one person's sin, Mm -hmm. but it was God's bigger agenda Mm -hmm. to bring glory to himself. Now, in saying all of that, of course, I'm not saying that some disabilities and some physical suffering is not caused by someone doing something wrong. Let's say a, you know, a drunk driver runs through a stoplight, smashes into your car, and you or one of your children or your spouse is now going to live a life of disability the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so someone there was to blame mm-hmm. for for the accident. So there are secondary causes mm-hmm. of disability. But when we think biblically, we have to understand that God is still sovereign over all of that. And so what I foremost in my mind is I'm counseling a person affected by disability, whether they are the person or their family members are are afflicted with disability, I want to counsel them with the good, wise character of God. Mm-hmm. I want to counsel them concerning the attributes of God. Mm-hmm. What is God like? What is his character? Mm-hmm and then i want to use biblical truth that exalts the character of god to shift their focus away from themselves mm-hmm. and what they think they might have done wrong to the bigger purposes of god mm-hmm. and and also to introduce the concept of mystery mm-hmm. because i think we are people who are uncomfortable with mystery mm-hmm. We like things to be nailed down. (laughs) We like to understand things fully. And so I like to use Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God. Mm -hmm. And so there are some things that we don't understand in the workings of God. But we do have so much given to us in scripture that God has given to us to help us to know how to walk by faith. So I want to lift up the glory of God. I want to lift up the character of God. I want to lift up the comforting presence of God. And if a person is dealing with legitimate guilt over something they have done wrong, Mm -hmm. that has resulted in suffering, then of course, I want to take them to Jesus. I want to take them to the cross. I want to help them to see that if they're truly trusting in Christ, then there's no condemnation. And they need to live in the joy of that forgiveness.
0: Yeah, that's right. And the, the beauty of what you're describing here is is it, for our counselors, I want you to see Paul has a, as a grid, a biblical grid. Do you, do you see how he's he's looking through to, to help people to understand no matter the situation, there's a perspective that God has given that that helps us to understand how we respond appropriately to God, no matter what the situation. And, and I think that's the beauty of what you're trying to do here, Paul, is, is help us to destroy our natural tendency to ask these questions. And it's not that these questions are evil in and of themselves, but it's a natural tendency. But you're you're responding with biblical realities that we often dismiss in moments like this. Now, I, I don't want to keep you paused here for much because I want you to keep going. But you talk in the book about four pillars of truth, which sort of build this this framework of thinking biblically about disability. So I want you to describe a little bit about those pillars and how they influence as sort of a framework the way that you counsel uh, biblically. Yeah, and
1: this framework, you know, does form that grid through which then we interpret. Mm-hmm. And as biblical counselors, that's our goal. Our goal is then to interpret the information that we have through a biblical grid because we don't trust our own reason. We should not trust our own reason because of the effects of the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to interpret all data gathered through general revelation through the infallibility of special revelation, mm-hmm. which is scripture. And so, yeah, these pillars are just so crucial. The first one is uh, deals with the image of God. You know, every being is created in God's image and for his purposes. And therefore, it has immeasurable value. Every human life has immeasurable value. Mm-hmm. So, that has a direct impact on okay, what decision do I make now? You know this this impacted my daughter and her husband a few years ago when they discovered that their their first child would not survive mm. birth, and so this truth impacts how now do we care for this unborn child mm. who will, by all human prediction, probably die before birth and if she does live through the birthing process, she will not survive long. Mm -hmm. And, and so that truth, that pillar of God's, that God's immeasurable value of that human being Mm -hmm. has a direct impact on how now do we treat this person? Mm -hmm. The second pillar is that God hides gospel treasure in earthen vessels Mm -hmm. We are earthen vessels. He has hidden gospel treasure within us. And the way he makes that treasure more visible is through weakness, mm. through the weakness of suffering. And so he uses our weakness, he uses suffering to actually draw attention to his strength and his glory. Mm. This is, I think, perhaps the greatest contribution of Johnny Erickson Tata's life to the body of Christ mm. for the last 53 years. God has been showing his glory and his strength through her incredible weakness. Mm. And, and the gospel is more visible through her suffering than if she was physically strong. Mm. A third pillar is that God's grace is sufficient for us. And so then our weakness then becomes a platform for the greater display of his glory and his power. And his grace, but it's to be displayed, not in isolation, but in loving community. And he has designed the local church according to God's brilliant design. He created us as interdependent beings. He has saved us by his glory through the grace of the gospel. And now he has placed us within Mm. (laughs) these interdependent relationships within the family of God. Mm -hmm. And and so our weakness actually is a platform for God to get more glory. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth pillar is that we have to remember that all of our earthly suffering is temporary. Mm -hmm. And it is given to us by God to shift our hope away from all of the things that we naturally in our flesh look to For hope and confidence Mm -hmm. to shift away from that to the hope of the resurrection glory Mm -hmm. that none of the suffering is is worth comparing, Paul says, Mm -hmm. to the glory that is awaiting us in Christ. We are earthbound people, and so it is natural for us to look to to earthly things for confidence, for stability, for hope. God uses suffering to strip those mm. hopes away so that we will look to Christ and Christ alone.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it, even when you talk about this framework, you, you use the word providence and, and you talk about a common question that people ask when they're in situations like this or where, when they're enduring suffering is, you know, where is God in all of this? Or where is God, particularly in this case, in, in my disability or in my child's disability? And in that, you you respond with this idea of providence. Explain a little bit of what you mean about the beauty of the providence of God in answering this question.
1: You know, I think providence and sovereignty are, are very much connected. But when we think of sovereignty, we think more of power and authority and governance. Providence has more to do with how God uses his authority and his infinite power and wisdom to guide and preserve every part of his creation toward his good purposes. And so what I, what I love about the doctrine of providence is that providence assures us that not only is God working out his master plan for the universe, but he's also at work carrying out his will. For our good and his glory, he is not disconnected from what is happening Mm -hmm. in our lives. He is not far away. He's always present. He's near. He's attentive to all of our ways and all of our needs. I think one of the best statements on the providence of God comes from Jesus in Luke 12, where he says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten. Before God, why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Mm. So if God knows (laughs) even the number of hairs on our head, Mm. then that seems to me to be Jesus's way of saying to us that God is very well acquainted. Intimately acquainted with everything that is going on in our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to run to that kind of God. Mm -hmm. I want to run to that kind of God for the help that I need.
0: You mentioned Johnny's weakness and so much so in in folks who struggle with disability or who've been given the stewardship of disability. We see that Beauty of the gospel in earth and it was the language that you used, and and one of the things that I've said about Johnny, and, and I say this about so many others with physical disabilities, is they see reality better than the rest of us. What I mean by that is, is Johnny wakes up every day knowing that she's dependent on other people for help. She's dependent for moving about, being able to eat food, being able to do uh, most of what she does. That's more of a reality. That the scripture gives for all of us is that utter dependence on people. In, in chapter three of your book, you sort of hint at some of these ideas where you describe that physical disabilities provide a visible image of spiritual realities. In God's sight, we are all disabled. I think that's really insightful, Paul. I want you to talk a little bit about that idea and how we, how we care for those who, who have disability, but how they see differently than we do uh, and I would even say maybe they see more clearly than the rest of us do.
1: Yeah, physical suffering has a way of causing us to look at life through, I think, a more accurate lens, if if we are humbly submitting, you know, our intellect mm-hmm. and reasoning to to the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. But you know, according to Scripture, every human being is blind, deaf, cognitively disabled to some degree. Mm in our hearts. And I like to say that inability is our greatest disability. Mm. But that's why Jesus came. You know, Jesus came to cure that spiritual disability. And and what I love about Jesus in the gospels, we're we're going through the gospel of Mark as a church you've been going through for quite some time, but in the gospels you see Jesus meeting real needs. I mean, not always does he meet the the real physical needs of people, but sometimes he does. But he always uses those contexts to draw out spiritual lessons and and to draw attention to the greater needs, which are the spiritual needs. And I think that we should do the same. and And uh, like Jesus, we should show genuine compassion for the suffering of others. But our ministry needs to go deeper than meeting physical needs we need to care for their souls and there's no better place to do that than within the the local family of god known as the church and so we need to minister the beautiful truths of scripture that lift up the character of god and the loving compassion mm. of christ and i like to say it this way we need to counsel people with a person not merely with principles mm. The principles of scripture come to us from a person. And sometimes as biblical counselors, we forget to make that connection. And if all we're doing is counseling people with principles, then we run the risk of detaching those principles in a law-like kind of way Mm -hmm. from the person who gave those principles to us. And so I don't want to connect people to principles. I want to connect people with the person Mm -hmm. who gave the principles. (laughs) The principles are true, Mm -hmm. and they should be applied to our lives because the one who gave them to us is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I want to connect to people. That's who I want to connect people with. Mm -hmm. And that's the key.
0: That's the key. Now you you made sort of a transition there where you're talking about how care rooted in the church is really the, the aim. I love that I, when I'm working with my counseling students and we're, we're talking about any particular counseling issue, I, I always help them to think through this question, how can the church contribute in this case? How can the church be a part of the solution for the problem in this person's life? In the final chapter of your book, it's titled, Doing Life Together in Gracious Community. I want you to sort of flesh out what that's about, because you're really answering that question. How's the church a part of the solution here, right? And what what is it that you and Johnny are really hoping to accomplish within the wider body of Christ on this subject?
1: Well, I think it really comes down to us getting church right, getting our ecclesiology right, the doctrine of the church. And I think for me, what stands out most of all is... When we look at the New Testament, the number one analogy for the church is family. Familial language, brothers, sister, brotherhood, is the number one language use of the church in the New Testament. Familial language. So that tells me then that the local church is first and foremost a local family of God, a local visible family representation of the family of God. So that is how we have to think of the church as a visible representation of the family of God. And when we get that right, then it opens up our minds to how do we function best as the family of God? How do we love people best as the family of God? And and then we see the brilliance of God's design. And and then we understand, for example, Paul's teaching in First Corinthians twelve that the church is the body. The church is a body. In fact, it's interesting that Paul doesn't say the church is like a body. Mm. He says the church is a body. In other words, it is a living organism with many different parts. Mm-hmm. And so uh, no single part is more important than another. Every part he says is indispensable. And so disability draws attention to the value and the necessity of every member of the body of Christ. See, we live in a world that deifies human strength Mm. and glorifies human abilities. And disability reminds us that the church cannot function without the weaker and the weakest members. And that's why I say disability blesses our churches, because it serves as a constant reminder of the temporal nature of our bodies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That we're looking forward to the day when the Lord Jesus returns.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I think of John, first John three, two. Beloved, we are God's children now. That's what we are now. Mm-hmm. We are now God's children. And what we will be has not yet Appeared, but mm-hmm. we know that when he appears, we shall be like him mm-hmm. because we shall see him as he is. So, disability has a way of reminding us how temporal the human body is. I mean, wh- when you think about it, Dale, if you and I live long enough, you and I both will get to the point where we have a disability mm-hmm. and we will be fully dependent on other people. Mm-hmm to continue to function. So when we get to that point, do we want to be able to function as fully as we can within the family of God Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or do we want to be an isolated member outside somewhere on the fringe? Mm -hmm. Well, I I know what you think of the family of God Mm -hmm. and I know what I think. So I know the answer to that question. (laughs) So that's, that's the role the church has to play.
0: Well, I think that what you do to shake people's paradigm is it's not just the church ministering to those who are disabled, is they become a part of the life of the body to where that, that ministry is mutual, and that's a part of what the family of God is intended to mm. accomplish and the beauty of what God can teach us with every member of the body. And I think that is a, a profound statement that that we need to carry with us as we think about the, the beauty of God's design of the church and then every member that he brings to us and how they contribute to the ministry of sanctification among the body, which is which is the purpose. Paul, this has been great, brother, and I'm, I know this is going to be an encouragement to our counselors and very practical biblical wisdom on on how to how to talk through specific issues, even when they're really difficult. God, in His wisdom, has given us the beauty of His Word that's life giving, no matter the situation. And you've helped us to see that uh, through these past couple of podcasts, and I appreciate that.
1: Thanks, Dale. Really appreciate being with you. If I could just say one more thing, I think that Johnny, what Johnny and I really hope and pray about this book is that it's going to be used in churches mm-hmm. to help them develop a biblical view of suffering mm-hmm. that includes disability. And that God will use it to awaken the church to one of the largest unreached people groups in the world,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is people affected by disabilities who need to know the love of God And the peace that comes from knowing and walking with Christ. And to the degree that God uses it to that end, we will be
0: thrilled. Amen. And we even see in the scripture where God uses these things for his glory, and the church needs some of that. And I, I appreciate that. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, in, in light of what we've talked about today with with Paul's book on disability, we have an important conference that's coming up. Yes, I know we just finished our our uh, annual conference in 2021, but, but but we're already thinking about the conference in 2022, and this is a very appropriate subject. In fact, there's going to be a plenary session that's devoted to this issue of disability and how we think biblically and appropriately about human life and disability. So as we announced at our annual conference a couple of weeks ago, in October of 2022 at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, we're going to be offering our annual conference on this subject, In His Image, Recovering Human Dignity. And I can't think of a more appropriate way, especially in the culture that we live, than to address this issue of what it means to be made in the image of God, the depth of the value and person that we find in humanity. And in our current culture, that's questioned in the area of disability. And we're here to say as biblical Christians that in this category of disability, this does not remove the value of the personhood that God has given to those who have disability. We want to uphold the beauty of that human dignity. We want to uphold the beauty of God's image upon those people. And we're going to talk about that at our annual conference in October of 2022 at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And I want you to join us because we're going to be describing some of the hot-button cultural issues that, that challenge this biblical idea of the image of God in man. So will you join us? You can find out more information about that conference and all the details at biblicalcounseling.com.